Hey there, fellow resistors. This is Scott Dworkin here. I'm going to get straight to the point here. Uh, I interviewed Louis Ledbetter, the basis for the 2009 Fair Pay Act, the first bill that Obama signed into law. She took the time to talk to me. Great interview. I really recommend listening. Uh, I had the, ex- the great experience of being able to work with her for Obama's uh, inauguration in 2009. Got to dance with her on stage after Obama and Michelle's uh, first dance. Uh, known her for you know nine years and counting now. Um, a great friend, uh, excellent a- a- activist, and uh, just overall a wonderful person. And so here is my interview with the one, the only, Lily Ledbetter. Lily Ledbetter, how are you? Oh, I'm great, Scott. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for, for being a guest. I, I really appreciate it because uh, I know that there's a, a gigantic fan base out there for you, and I want to make sure that uh, especially some of our younger listeners are aware of what you've accomplished and about your book and, and what you're up to next. Um, but I, I wondered if you know you could tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself you know what got you involved in politics and importantly where that kind of led oh i'd love to that's a story that sort of uh is well known and not so well known uh but what happened to me i was a, a young woman with getting the best jobs i could and i've got a i've got this job with goodyear tire and rubber in management just as they were booming into the radio tire industry, and I was excited about it. I worked there for 19 years, excelled. Um, in fact, uh, they started Light Truck Radio in the 90s and handpicked me as one of the managers. But after 19 years, I went into work one night and found out that somebody had given me an anonymous tip, just a note, showing my name and three men. And I was making 40% less than those men. And that suddenly hit me like a ton of brick because that was my, not only my livelihood, but my uh, overtime pay. Mm-hmm. And being in that position when my peer, my opposite shift mate was out, I worked my shift and his too. And that was a lot of overtime, a lot of money, time and height, double and triple. And that was the first thing I thought of after I got over the initial shock. Who gave me this tip? Who who knew this? How many people in this factory know this? And how many people have been laughing behind my back? I was so devastated. I wanted to just turn and go home. Mm-hmm. But I could because I was still a mother and a wife, and I had a mortgage to pay. I had two kids in college. I had car payments. I had dental bills. The normal livelihood that everybody else has, I could not afford to miss the shift. So I stayed. But halfway through the night, it occurred to me, my retirement is based on what I'm earning, my contributory retirement, my 401K, and when I sign up for Social Security someday, it will also be based on what I'm earning. I was just really devastated. I was just sick. But I got home and I told my husband I had to file a charge with the EOC. I was two years away from retirement, but I could not let it go. It was just too important. My family had been done wrong and shortchanged, not because I wouldn't work, but because I worked for a company that did not adhere to federal laws and guidelines about equal pay for equal work. 
and that company had major government contracts on tires for airplanes, Jeeps, Hummers, from the time I went to work until I left. And I thought surely they were being held accountable to statistics and figures and documentations proving that they were adhering to federal laws and state laws and the guidelines, but they did not. They also had told me when I went to work that if I ever discussed my pay, I would not have a job. So I was left, in my opinion, with no alternative. I could either take it and go ahead and work until retirement and live with it, or I could stand up for me and my family. And that's what I chose to do because it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And as they say, it's not always easy to do the right thing. And this certainly was not. I had warned my family up front. It would possibly take eight years to reach the decision, but it actually took nine years. Mm-hmm. And did you, do you realize how how big of a, a case it would turn out to be when you initially filed it? No, I had no idea. I, I felt like those eight years would be drug out in court with delays and things, and um, that was what I really thought. I had no idea exactly how big it would get. In fact, the law firm that represented me, they have a half a million dollars in my case which was billable hours and dollars spent, and they never got a thing because they had taken my case on a contingent basis. Right. They never got a dime, but we worked together for nine years, and it was a long case. It was a big case, and it went to the federal court, had a jury trial. I went to EEOC in 98. In 99, they, they advised I might get to trial faster if I had my own attorney, so I did. I found the attorney in the large firm that represented me. And then we finally got to court in 2003. It's already been five years. Right. We're just now getting to court. Right. And after a week in court, and I had two women who testified for me um, and substantiated everything I said. I had two men sitting in the hall, which the lawyers ended up they never used. They also had on a board the men's pay and mine from the time we started to the time I was let go till I retired. And it showed, I mean, if you just sat there and studied that board, you would say something is really wrong here for there be so much difference. Mm-hmm. And so the jury came back with a verdict, $3.8 million. Of course, Goodyear appealed, was thrown out in 11th Circuit, and then we appealed, and the Supreme Court agreed to hear it in 2006. I went to the Supreme Court in November of 2006, and then we had to wait until June of 07 for the verdict. Actually, it came out May 29th. Mm -hmm. And when did you— And they ruled against me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. They basically changed the law when they uh, made that ruling, but what happened— the um, uh, when they changed it, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg read the dissent, and she said, "These people do not understand what it's like in the real world." And she said, "It definitely must be changed. It's got to be changed." And so they went back and changed it um, 
course, it took us 18 months to get that law changed. Of these, right. Uh, and, and that was framed. That's, that's the Senate started working on it, and they mm-hmm. uh, wrote the bill and started working on it. And then I testified twice in the House and twice in the Senate to uh, help get the bill passed. They said in Washington I became the poster child for unequal pay for equal work. Right. And uh, getting that bill changed, it has made a tremendous difference in a lot of people's lives. And had it not been changed back, there would be so many, many cases that could never be brought because what the, the way their ruling had been in the Supreme Court when Justice Alito read the opinion, he said, I was discriminated against, but I waited too long. <laughs> but that had not been the interpretation of the law. Right. It had always been based on a paycheck accrual rule, based on if you were still getting a check and you were still working there, you had 180 days to file your charge. Mm-hmm. It was still that way. But that's not what Justice Ginsburg and the other four Supreme Court justices that ruled against me wanted to interpret it. And Chief Justice Roberts said when he went before the Congress for his confirmation hearings that he would follow precedent. Well, he did not. Right, right. Because had precedent been there as it, as it was, that would have been a slam dunk. It would have went all, all the way. And when when did you first uh, and that that led to President Obama? You meeting uh, then candidate Obama, I guess. I did. I met up candidate Obama because uh, Senator uh, Barack Obama and Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton both were big workers and uh, supporters for the Ledbetter bill. And one of the things that I'm the proudest of about the whole bill and the law, it was sponsored and co-sponsored by Republicans from the very beginning and Democrats. Right. Senator Olympia Snow, uh, Senator Collins, uh, both of those two senators, they're Republicans, and they were big supporters. In fact, just uh, Senator Olympia Snow said that was one of the greatest times of her career, standing behind Obama when he signed that bill. But it took 18 months of my going to Washington two and three times a month to lobby for the bill and meet with all of the senators and House of Representatives I could because we needed more support. But the first time that was voted on in the Senate, they held the vote that night until 6 p.m. And both the two candidates, uh, Senator Barack Obama and Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton, all both, came back in that night. They each testified why the bill was so critical why it was so important, and voted for it. And I had stayed neutral because uh, I didn't support anyone or endorse anybody because the people in Washington felt like I could gain more support if I stayed stayed neutral for the bill. And really at that time, Scott, it was no longer about Lily Ledbetter. It was about the other people because if that ruling was standing like it was, it would just ruin so many people's lives. Right. Uh, so then the um, I met Obama that night. I met Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. In fact, there was a wonderful picture ran in the Washington Post the next day, top half of the third page of me with Barack Obama. 
And then, of course, when he got the nomination, he called and they invited me to speak at the Democratic Convention in 08. I was to speak like Ron Reagan had done for John Kerry. I would not endorse him. I would just share my story, why it would be so critical for us to consider having Barack Obama for president. But I got so, so caught up in all the enthusiasm, I walked off that stage and I endorsed him. Right, right. Because Senator John McCain had just said, the women's problem, we needed some more education and training. <laughs> well, we all knew that across the country that wasn't correct. So we, I just had to stand up. And uh, so I made the decision, and I campaigned for him, and it was the first bill that he signed. Right. Of course, we lost that vote in the Supreme Court, and excuse me, in the Senate that night. We came up three votes short. Right. So um, Harry Reid voted against it so he could bring it back up after the first of the year. And, of course, the landscape of the elections that year changed Washington, and it changed the vote. So that did pace. With those, we got those three extra votes. Plus, we got a lot more than that because a lot of people realized by then that the country wanted it, needed it. So it went through, and it was the first bill that President Barack Obama signed. Right, and you were there. a wonderful thrill. You were at the White House for that. I remember that. I was. Yeah. I was. I was one of those people on the uh, train trip, too, with the um, president and the new vice president. In fact, uh, I understood later that um, I believe uh, I know Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. That was her last vote was for the Ledbetter bill Mm -hmm. and and, uh, Joe and Vice President Biden's also. Right. That was the last thing they each voted on before they left. It mattered a lot to to Senator or Hillary Clinton. It mattered uh, a lot. And I know that her supporters and, and also the staff were. 100% 100% behind it. Same thing with Barack uh, and, and, and his team. Um, you, what, do you, what do you think about uh, what we can do today to promote gender pay equality in the workplace? Is there a certain thing that we can do differently? Um, is it just transparency in the workplace? Or what do, you, what do you think is the best way to promote gender pay equality? Um, I have a prime company. as so an example for that right today, what they're doing the Salesforce company that's headquartered in San Francisco, but all over the world. They were in D.C. last year, and I was there with them. But they have, and I had met uh, Mark Benioff at the White House at the last celebration of the Lily Ledbetter signing of the Paycheck Fairness, uh, Equal Pay, excuse me. Right. Uh, Ledbetter Fair Pay Bill. I, Paycheck Fairness, I've talked about it so much that this <laughs> comes up next. Right. Uh, they, uh, I met him there, and they have got a tremendous program, and it was brought to his attention by two of his young staffers, two women. I know one of them was in HR, and I don't know where the other one was, but they talked it over and decided to approach him and tell him that our company is not operating with full equality, and it's hurting uh, the production, it's hurting the service, it's hurting the attitude and the morale of all of the people that's providing this service. And he said, oh, no, we're, we're, we're equal, we, we pay equal, it's equal. And so they, and 
he allowed them to go through and they checked and it cost the company three million dollars to get everybody brought up to wow. where they should be wow. in their what they brought to the job the performance they did the responsibility and anyway that's what it cost and then last year he bought a lot the company bought several other smaller companies and brought them on board well they had to do the same thing again to bring everybody up to where they should be and it cost another three million dollars to do it but those people that work for that company to be around them it is unreal at the enthusiasm and how they feel about their employment and they've started i understand now he started some other programs so like kindergartens on the site um child care on the site and I don't know what else. And I'm sure he's got educational training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to get back with him and find out because I keep selling it. But that is just one example. That is one example. And that company is growing and growing. And it has such a good reputation. And they're all over the world. And the people who work for him love what they do. And they show it. We'll be back with part two of my interview with Lily Ledbetter in 30 seconds. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by members of the resistance like yourself. We can't do this work without your help. Check out our website at dworkinreport.com to see how else you can help. Thanks so much for your support. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Dworkin Report. This is Scott Dworkin. I spoke with gender pay equality icon Lily Ledbetter about her experience as an activist and she told me about her new book, which you need to check out. If you care about equal pay for equal work, it's a must-read. And we start off part two here talking about Donald Trump. Uh, I have a loaded question for you. Uh, okay. And I can't believe this is a loaded question because it's so simple. Um, but what are your feelings about Donald Trump? Well, uh, I had hopes that when he went into the president's office that uh, – he would would help uh, not hurt women. I right. knew he wouldn't really, per se, help women, and he talked it. And I was most impressed with what Ivanka Trump said, that she would be, that was what she would be focused on. But we've not seen anything. We had that talk up front until they got in. And the other thing I know, uh, I've tried to follow every that uh, the president has wiped off the books, uh, vetoed, and uh, got off the books. The bill that President Obama signed in April of 2014 that would require people like the company I work for that have these major government contracts, they will furnish documentation and prove that they are living up to their what they should mm-hmm. in the pay-for-performance to get these contracts. Now what's happened across the United States, there are a lot of states who have passed the bills that they will do that. If you have a contract in their state, you will adhere to federal laws and state laws, or you will not have that contract. Right. You will lose it. Right, so there's some and, kind of accountability. Right, so that would that was really the crutch that I can look back on my career. I tried. I tried to find out 
how I was paid because I knew that I was nearing retirement and I had to get that life raise up as high as I could for my income for the rest of my life. And that's why, and my boss told me I was listening to too much BS from the men and walked out and left <laughs> me. So when I got the note, I carried it to EEOC, and they listened to me. The lady I got, she spent over three hours with me. And then when they called, and and they wrote briefs and followed me all the way to Washington. They mm-hmm. didn't do it in Washington because the government took Goodyear's side in, in the Supreme Court. Right. Justice, Chief Justice Roberts and Alito both had just gone on the bench. When you when you were with the, we were together, obviously I was a liaison for uh, the president, vice president, uh, went for 2009's inauguration. Uh, when we were there, do you think it was bigger than 2017's inauguration? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And 2012, I was back for 2012. It was bigger, too. When right. I was there for 2013, it was bigger. Yeah, in 2009, it was... 2013, it was big, but the 20... The 2009 was, oh, that was enormous. Yeah, and it, it really, you know, I remember us, it was like maybe four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, day of, after you guys had uh, come in from the train ride that I, I helped organize from Philly to to D.C., where it had a couple stops in Quincy Lucas. You picked up uh, Biden along the way. You had a birthday party for Michelle on the train as well. Right. Uh, I remember the cake ordeal, trying to get the cake in, in there and them being in transition and their food needing to be checked and whatnot. Um, but, but it really was, there was some sort of energy that was just so special about that night. And I just remember us up on stage at the neighborhood ball dancing together, me and, you know, dozens of other people from around the country that had supported his campaign and been through um, terrible times and back uh, to get there, and it just—it just—I I remember that moment of uh, it setting in that he was becoming president, uh, and it just—it still is one of the best uh, times of my life that I've ever had, and I'm glad that I, I got to share that experience with you. It was Scott. That was the most wonderful night. Uh, it paid everything. It paid off because. You know, the young military man who was on the trip, he was a single guy on the trip. He was the only one. Mm -hmm. He didn't bring anyone. And uh, he pushed me up after the president (laughs) had ceased, had stopped dancing with Michelle. He said, Mr. President, here's a lady you need to dance with. And there's a eight by 10 photo of that pic of that dance in the Washington Post hardback book. It was sold the next year. Um, my son-in-law found it and brought me a copy, and it is a gorgeous picture. But when we were dancing, he was talking about, we are going to do this. Well, I knew he was not talking about dancing, right. or I didn't think it was. He was talking about the Ledbetter bill right? because he was so focused on that bill. And uh, I'm disappointed when I see history books now coming out, and they've omitted that because that People don't understand what what a big deal that is. When I have lawyers in big cities hug me around the neck and thank me for getting that bill passed because they got so much money from their employer, they wouldn't have to work again. And they didn't even go to trial. They didn't even file a suit. They just went in and presented their case. And after that Ledbetter bill and the momentum 
they were able to do this. The young lady down in Mississippi that got a big check from her employer simply because she went to the company and they decided they did not need this bad publicity. Right. They didn't want a court case because they are very, very expensive. You know that. Right. And uh, it, it is. It's, I've got in a, a cab later in D.C. I came back, and, of course, my picture with that red jacket was all over the TV, and everybody <laughs> started recognizing me, and uh, right. it was it's such a glorious feeling. And uh, I get in this cab, and this guy looks up in the mirror, and he said, you are a, that lady on NPR radio. I started telling him where I wanted to go, and he got the southern accent, so he recognized me. He <laughs> said, I heard you on NPR I went home and told my wife, and she got a $6,000 check where she was at to right. make up the difference in something right. that she had been shortchanged. I think that you've Those really— Those are the things that made it worth worth every hardship. And I did go through a lot of hardship because in that nine years, life goes on. My husband had four cancer surgeries, four mm-hmm. different cancers, uh, three almost on his head. The major one was the left side of his face. And that all occurred during all of these trials and my going back and forth to Washington. But my family supported me, and I'm a tough lady, and um, I had a higher power. And you need all those things behind you because not a lot of people will oftentimes support you because, like the people that worked at Goodyear said, Lily, that, you just wouldn't help my career anymore. I might lose my job. Right. I understand. It was very hard for me to even find four people out of the group that would testify for me. Right. And, you know, I can tell just from our travels together, uh, I can tell your work ethic is beyond what I've seen before, um, just in regards to giving speeches and talking to people. Um, You know, you have more energy than most of the kids that we have that are interns even. Um, And it's just been it's been impressive to, to get to know you. Uh, for the past, you know, 10 years now. And uh, and to be able to spend that time around inauguration where we got to celebrate for once and then actually turn that into reality, um, th- that was just, it's just still so surreal, um, you know, that we have such a negative and vitriol environment now. Um, but it just looking back on this, why I think it's really important is such, all of it, besides the actual... The, the struggle that you had for years, obviously, towards the end of it, there is that positive light that you knocked down doors for millions of women in this country and probably abroad as well across I the world. You know, the country twice. Yeah, you, you I mean, in, it, I just think of you as one of the uh, biggest ins- inspirations in my life. Um, and you've you've always been there. Uh, to check if check out me in, in the last decade or so, and I, I just couldn't appreciate you more. And you're a patriot, um, and you're one of the the, the best um, models of of what uh, someone who has to struggle c- can go through and achieve. Because it really it took tenacity, it took guts, and um, you didn't look back, and and you just kind of were like, we're going to do this. And and I'm really glad that. Uh, you know, you prevailed in the end. And you, you wrote a book about your experiences, right? I did. Uh, I needed another book. The book goes all the way up to the White House through the bill signing. 
and it has uh, the president's uh, speech in the back of it. It also, the paperback, has Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dissent. And if a college student is in law school, they certainly need to read that. Uh, but it, it's a, I feel like it's a good story that uh, it, it gives people a background how hard someone works to get all they want is a fair shot. Right. It was like I, I tell the people today, uh, you, the women do not want gifts. They want a good job. They, it's not so much a title sometimes, but they want and they need that income, and that's what they're working for because they're working for themselves, their families, to either raise a family or to save and, and have a decent retirement. And um, the generation that I came up with, I've learned, Scott, that the senior group across this nation are primarily all women who outlive their spouses on average by 10 years. I've, this will be my 10th year as a widow. Right. And, uh, and a lot of them cannot stay independent in their home. They move into their children's homes. And this is not right. right. This is certainly not right. The fair and, shake. Um, you just want women to have a fair shake, as, as do I. And, and these women that are like that, they might have worked 30 years as secretary or in a sewing factory or cotton mill. Or they could have even been a nurse because the nurses started getting better raises and uh, more equitable pay when the men became nurses. And that's a shame, but right. that's the way it is. Right, right. No, and, and again, you know, American hero, Lily Ledbetter, I can't thank you enough for your courage and everything you've done for this country, not just the past 10 years, but the past few decades, the struggle and, and fighting for what's right. Um, and, and keeping toward your values. And it really, I, I think it's a great reminder coming up on a 10-year anniversary here of just how uh, how positive government can be and how positive the change can be from the White House. Um, and I think people will want this, this change to be in the White House once again someday. Yeah, it is so, it's so simple. Uh, the uh, eight years of Barack Obama's uh, tenure there and and with vice president biden heading up that women's uh and valerie jarrett on the uh, women's campaign for group and the other women that was handpicked to be on that uh some of them worked in the white house and some did not they came from outside and from other jobs and uh, uh they were just tremendous and made a, a great change and it it showed these companies wow they can excel, and it's already proven that the companies that are making it known, like Salesforce does, that they're treating people, rating them fairly and equitably, and they're getting what they're entitled to, they are more successful. Right. Their bottom line is larger. And the enthusiasm and, and the work ethic that people bring to the job is just unreal. Well, thank you again for taking the time with me today, and I hope you do write a second book so that we can also uh, bring that to debate, because I'd love to hear the other stories that you have uh, in the years of Obama's presidency. Yeah, and the name of this book is the uh, My Fight for Equal Pay, Good Year and Beyond. And there is a movie script already written, and they're working in Hollywood now to try to get this book into a movie. So hopefully one day it'll be on the big screen. Well, I, I would be interested to see... Who plays you? I, my guess is uh, Charlize Theron 
is my guess. I'm not well, sure if you're. I'm, I'm, I'm not really picky. I, I would just <laughs> like a good star that would fill the part. And there's so many people. You're right, though. She could do the job. Uh, we've asked Meryl Streep, and she's always booked for years ahead, and uh, some others. So they, we'll we'll get some. We had one really good star, but she's English descent, and she said, "I just don't think I can get that Southern accent." Right. So it's, it, it gets so it thick with us. My my North Carolina accent doesn't come out all the time when uh, unless I go back from uh, from there, and even then I can sound like uh, my Midwestern, you know roots yeah. of ohio but um yeah it's it's uh I'll, I'll make sure to to keep an eye out for the potential movie as well because I, I again i think the story is inspiring and it's something that uh everybody uh across the country and world should be aware of and, and read up on they should thank you so much scott for this opportunity and anytime no thank you again i i can't appreciate it more and i hope that uh we are dancing you know, as soon as uh, 2020, if not 2018, but I hope that we're dancing in 2021 for a d- different president, um, whoever that, that would, whoever that may be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm ready. Wow. Did you hear her at the end? I'm ready. I'm ready. I know she is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Make sure that you visit her website at lilyledbetter.com. I'll also post a link to her book. You can check it out on Amazon. And uh, I I can't thank her enough. Thanks to my producer, Grant Stern. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Have a good night.